Welcome back to the Horse Poor Podcast for another episode. We're going to bring you a little bit of a different flavor of the week. And uh, right now it is Steph Harluck checking in. And Diener over here. And Stevie. Woohoo, guys. So I'm excited <laughs> to talk about some roping and some yeah. breakaway roping. Dawn Marie was like a perfect person to have on for this she subject. She is a role model. She is so <laughs> passionate about roping. I mm-hmm. love it. And I love how she's like, it's my time to shine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this and I'm going to I'm gonna do what I wanted to do. And I'm going to rope with those big rodeos that I want to rope at. Mm-hmm. And it's so awesome to hear about her dreams and her experiences and yeah, I'm, I'm even excited. a little. Yeah, even a little tearjerker at times. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Steph H got a little emotional during this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, it's like I can't picture you being like a crier, crier. Like, I know, but, but I, I kind of am. Or yes. like, yeah, I get like you know when we were watching Calgary Stampede when they were like oh. doing the interview for, <laughs> or the intro for the barrels on the big screen and the music comes on. Man, like, I like have my sunglasses seriously? on. I'm like, I'm like, good thing because oh yeah, like just like yeah, the, I, I get yeah. like that too. And like I'm trying to like put in my head I'm like cowgirls don't cry <laughs> cry baby ride don't cry <laughs> oh boy uh, but Stevie are you a, oh sorry go ahead oh no no no. Oh, I was no. gonna say Stevie are you a crier no no I can't picture you <laughs> like being I'll, I'll get emotional but I'm not there's no tears like oh really yeah, yeah. really hmm. Some, oh, man. Uh, yeah oh you wouldn't think that I would be but no no I picture you being like I don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I used to be like that, but then I got like older and soft. Oh. And, like, I haven't even had kids. Everyone says that happens after kids, but <laughs> yeah, I wonder what'll happen when I have kids. I don't oh. know. I'm just like, I'm I just feel like mess. I must have no heart. Like everyone's tearing up and I'm just like, no tears, but oh. like, I'm still sad. I can let him flow. <laughs> I can let him flow. I got the snot going, the tears going, oh and I boy. can be absolutely ridiculous. Okay, okay. I think I ugly cried. Oh I think I God. almost cried in spirit. Oh, the movie. Point. When yeah. you were young? I think oh. it was when he was in the train car and he was getting shipped away. Aww. Oh. Yeah, but eight I, seconds gets me every <laughs> single time. Eight seconds. Every oh, yeah. single time. Eight seconds. I just... Ball. It was on the TV a while ago, though, and I watched it, and I'm like, hey, this movie is so old. Like, <laughs> the graphics are actually brutal these days. Yeah, seriously. Such but a good show. I Such a love classic. watching old movies. Such a so classic. Yeah. There's been so many old movies come up on Netflix since there's no I new know. movies now. <laughs> I love oh, it. Yeah. yeah, so let's talk about some roping. Like, what do you guys think about? What are your plans? Like, do you want to try breakaway roping? Like, or, or what are you thinking? I want to try breakaway. I don't want a team rope. I just, I'm scared to lose my fingers. I mean, we had enough still of that. Could <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I want to witness try that one too many times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be sweet. And I mean, it's coming into all the rodeos and yeah. mm-hmm. I've always wanted to break away since I was little. Like, yeah, it's been a goal, like a dream. So why shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. Never bad to learn another yeah. skill. Yeah, yeah, you Steph H, you're gonna start practicing or what? We should do some practices. You gotta saw the okay, horns off when of you your guys dummy. Come, yes, I do yeah. because I just have like I have two steer heads. One is a normal size one. One I don't know what I was thinking, but I got this thing with like really long <laughs> horns. You're gonna be roping <laughs> some big Texas long yeah, horns or what? <laughs> I think I went to like Jones Boys or something, and I needed one, and it, that's the only one there was. So uh, well, at least it you'll was, be. Yeah, right. so I'm sawing that. the horns off of that one, and we'll use that. Let's for... do that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We could do that. Yeah, I, I love roping. I'm so excited. Saturday, we're doing some branding. We're just doing our rounds, <laughs> like all the branches. So we're like, hey, you need some help. You need some help. You need some help. So. Like you and, and like uh, Cole's family? 
just me and Cole. <laughs> yeah. And then nice. Billy, I think, too, is probably going to join. And yeah, we just uh, we make our rounds around to different. You're doing ranches. that tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. yeah but so. Don, Don Marie was so supportive of um, like the whole roping community, mm-hmm. but also especially just people getting into roping. They have different steers for like beginners and yeah. different like styles of roping. And it sounds like a lot of people get together there and learn there. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, they do a lot for roping, especially in um, Alberta. She's so sweet. Like she actually like just messaged me the other day and she like sent me all the pictures of breakaway ropes that we should get. And she's like, yeah, and we got cattle waiting here for you girls. So <laughs> yeah, we need to order here. those. Yeah, no. we do. We do. We do. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I need to I need to pick a horse to go there with because I don't think my barrel horse is the appropriate one. I think one. old Barb. Barb will, Barbie would be good. Barb will freaking yeah. do it. Yeah, I need to bring a rope around my horses and see which one. Definitely not D. Mm. I probably think fame. fame. I think fame. fame, yeah. Yeah. I'll probably bring cash, but I might end up bringing cricket too. Yeah. yeah. Cash has done some, like, oh, you guys probably, do ranch roping. I'd probably yeah. bring a bunch so that I can. Just ride. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we'll have to go camping. But I guess if we're yeah. all going in the same trailer. We don't have to. No. We can break her up. Hey, Rider Dies. If you haven't already, make sure you check out OE Nutraceuticals in Canada for clinically proven and tested supplements. And be sure to use our code HORSEPOOR for 10% off. If you guys follow the Lady Roper Network on Facebook, then Dawn Marie needs absolutely no introduction because she is such an advocate for the roping world here in Canada and more specifically Alberta. Yeah, she is an absolute amazing advocate for for the sport, but she also competes at CPRA and amateur rodeo events across Western Canada in the breakaway event. You'll also see her on the Alberta team roping jackpot scene in the heading department. Don Marie, along with her husband, Neil, and family, also produced breakaway roping jackpots on their ranch, the Triangle B Ranch in the county of Barhead. Don Marie is a seasoned competitor with numerous accolades. This started all the way back in high school rodeo and uh, worked towards some intercollegiate championships. Yeah, and in 2016, she is the Team Roping Canada Lady Champion header. In 2018, she was the Team Roping Canada Runner-Up Champion header. 2019, she claimed the WRA season leader in the ladies' breakaway roping. In 2019, she was a WRA ladies' breakaway champion at the Barhead Rodeo. In the same year, she was also the LRA ladies' breakaway champion at the Stony Lake Stampede. She's also the creator and administrator of the Lady Roper Network Breakaway and Team Roping Facebook group. So definitely check that out. Yes. And she has put in a ton of elbow grace with the committees and the rodeo boards and everything to bring breakaway to our rodeos here in Alberta. So yeah, without further ado, we're going to bring you Don Marie Brandon and get ready for an emotional ride with her. Hi, Don Marie. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. That's good. You're busy calving out your herd? Well, I'm not by myself, but yet we're in the season of calving some cows and a little bit of heifers around here too. So, But I have uh, lots of good help around me here too. I have Grady and my husband and Grady's girlfriend, Caitlin Ellis, and we, uh, we do uh, get a lot uh, managed in a day, so it's not just me, but it's it's a busy season for sure. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, how many are you guys calving out? 
Well, we have a smaller herd here at home, and uh, with some cattle of uh, Quinton's, our one son, and Grady and Caitlin's are here, and then Neil and I's group, and we have some beef cattle and then some recreation cattle here at home. And when I say that, they're like the rope and cattle coriented mm-hmm. longhorn cross. And then uh, north of us with Neil's dad, we have another larger group up there that's about to tell you, it's about an hour from here, but it's still in the same county, but that we do work with him quite closely to help him calve out. So that's where we're at this time of the year. That's awesome. It's such a fun time of the year. And we were chatting a little bit about this before, but uh, my boyfriend and I had a crazy experience calving out a herd of 90 untagged red Angus heifers that were grained right until the day they were dropping. <laughs> and uh, Stevie can vouch for me here because yes. she was at the vet clinic when we brought in like like a ton of C-sections. Yeah. Any oh, no. time we got a call for a C-section, we knew who it was. Yeah. yeah. It was- it was the oh first and last time we worked for that guy. But um, I even talked to one of my friends back home and he's like, like they run like 200 plus cattle like a year. And I was like, so how many C-sections have you had before? He's like, one ever. And I was like, oh, well, I can probably perform one now. So yeah, but, you have good experience though. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So we're going to get things started into this podcast. Uh, So can you share with us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in roping? Well, um, a little bit about myself. I'm 48 years old and I'm proud of being, uh, you know, middle-aged and competing. And I love the breakaway rope, but I also do team rope uh, as a header. I'm happily married to the roper slash rancher of my prayers, uh, Neil Brandon, and we've, he's. He, you know, I, I don't know, people wonder if, if if there's a soulmate out there, but if there is a soulmate, that he's probably my guy. So, Aww, um, so we've been sweet. married for 27 years, and we have wow. two amazing sons. So Grady's 25 and Quentin's 23, uh, who both have outstanding uh, girlfriends, so Caitlin Ellis and Sydney Danes and all of whom I love dearly. And we share life here at Triangle B Ranch with Grady and Caitlin, and Quinton is down at uh, Dane's Auction Mart with Sydney down in Innisfail now. And, um, yeah, so we have some off uh, the ranch income too, but most of the part we just make our way here near Barhead, Alberta. Wow, that's that's awesome. You sound like you have a pretty handy family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I think they're all so talented. I'm very proud of them, and I, and I never, like, the kids are all, the boys are always like, Mom, like, don't put that stuff on Facebook. Like, it's just bragging. I'm like, oh, darn right, I am. Like, I'm really <laughs> proud of you guys. Aww. And and um, boys, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I try to rein it in, but I would tell them, I, you know, I would tell the world you know, how good they are every day of the week and not be, not be offended by it because I am proud of them and who they are and, and, uh, who they've become. And, and it's, uh, it's not just by me, but a great family and community that's helped raise them. And, and so it's, yeah, it's, um, definitely been, been, it's been a good life to live and and lots yet to come. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And so were you and your hubby, were you guys always involved with uh, horses or a ranching family? Yes. uh, Well, Neil has. uh, 
so Neil and I, like I said, we were married for 27 years. And when I married him, so we met each other at high school rodeos. And it was love at first sight, but it was uh, about a season after he actually um, started high school rodeoing that I just came back. My little sisters were at uh, the rodeo and he was, (laughs) he was there as, as he was done his eligibility wasn't done, but he was done high school. So he went to high school rodeos one more year, and my little sisters were there competing. And it was a rainy rodeo at Sundry, and he came down the arena, like, through this mud and everything, and he's got his cowboy hat on. And all my sisters, one of my girlfriends, are standing at the fence line. And, they're, they're, and I'm like, hey, who's that new cute guy coming down the arena? And they're like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We don't know who that is. And I, and I was raised with uh, three other sisters, so they were my best friends as well as sisters. We're all trying to check out who this new cute guy was. And then he came, <laughs> literally didn't pick his head up from fighting this mud situation. So he's at the fence right in front of me, and he picked up his head, and looked at me, and that was like love at first sight. Aww. But I, and but I knew known him for a couple of years before that. But it just struck me, and hmm. and I, you know, we were just together ever since. So he's oh, wow. um, as far as his ranching uh, uh, experience and rodeo experience, he he's uh, definitely was born and raised on a ranch near in the county of Barhead here near Vega, Alberta, actually. And then I was raised on acreage near Cochrane, Alberta. So I always had my hand in horses and, mm-hmm. and at different levels of that uh, throughout my life. But um, but definitely when we got married, it it was uh, full-fledged uh, ranching and roping and, and just no turning back from that lifestyle, traveling to team ropings and traveling to rodeos. And mo- I did barrel race, but always kept my hand in roping and and that's been my first love so that's kind of the direction that I've been leading and and then of course in the last few uh like actually since the kids kind of got into college and it was more time for me is when my new birth of my roping career started again and I you know I I was always the mom that I didn't want to take away from them and I didn't want to you know, go to an all-girl rodeo and make them go with me. Like not a, not to necessarily uh, have that taken away from them. So I just waited and always kept my hand in it. And then now it's been a rebirth. So it's been a great time for me too in the last you know probably eight years here with mm-hmm. my roping. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. So how did you first get started roping? Well. <laughs> We, you know, where I grew up in Cochrane, we were around a lot of rodeo and roping uh, and ranching community. And my dad did rope. Uh, my grandparents had us all in the kids' ponies and um, horses. And where it really probably I got my my love for roping was in an old slab building uh, that Bob and Faye Williamson owned it near Madden, Alberta. And that name, I don't know if that means anything to you, but that's, uh, so Cliff Williamson is a, a professional and renowned roper, uh, made to the NFR multiple times in Canadian championships, and his brother Tim as well as a uh, very accomplished professional roper. And they, and then they, and Bob himself was a, you know, great roper in the FCA and, and then senior pro. And they had one of the only indoor buildings that was 
full of just tie down ropers and my dad would go and practice and Antifa wouldn't let, uh, sorry, I call her Antifa because she became such a good friend of our family and we adopted her whether <laughs> she likes it or not. Yeah. And she had this little, um, kind of office and announcer stand where she'd time and kept, th- kept time on a chalkboard. And we got to do that with her to, to a certain degree, but she was very particular about the way the time got wrote down and everything get, got kept track. So mostly that was an X, X's and O's in the corner that she would let us have. And we weren't allowed in the arena because it was also a really small arena. And, and so the cattle and the horses and the guys were really busy, like literally right as soon as he came in the door. So we got to stay on the steps and that was the rule. And I just, I wanted to be part of it so badly, not like, I think just to be around the horses and that was roping. And it was just such a big part of our, of our, our, our social life and our, our upbringing. And that's what we would do all winter long was just get to Lameson's to that arena and to the old stove in there and have instant coffee in their house and, and just be around all that laughter and that fellowship. And then, um, they would look after my, my four sisters and I a lot, like they were close to our little country school where I grew up. And so if we had any sick days or off days or mom needed anything, that's where we would go. And so in that, in that farmyard, in that ranch yard, there was worn out like square bales from the guys roping them. And then these old, these ropes, these poly ropes there. And I would, that was, that was literally all there was. If you wanted to, at Aunt Faith's place, but we were never bored because we would just go to that, I, where I was never bored. I would go to that, those, to those ropes, pick them up and then just try and rope them. And I was, and literally couldn't coil up and build my loop properly. And I'd say, just get me to come to her old screen door and she'd build my, me a loop and she had has a great history in, in rodeo herself and a, a very accomplished horsewoman so she was able to just throw me a loop together and I go back to that and she's like okay hold it like this and so she literally gave me my first um instruction on building a loop and I just hammered out trying to rope that dummy and so like it literally just grew from that the passion and the fellowship and just like I just yeah. want to be part of that and it didn't mm-hmm. and to me it, I didn't see whether I was a girl or a boy in that I just knew that I wanted to be part of it so yeah. so that definitely was was the, the seed that was planted for sure that's awesome yeah that is a mm-hmm. really cool story definitely painted a picture in our heads of how it used to be compared to now so kind of talking about how it is now we need to know how excited are you that breakaway is like getting so much traction right now isn't that amazing? It's unreal. Like, like honestly, my like, I I've just uh, like I I just I can't even hardly put it in words. So, <laughs> like about a year ago, uh, I would tell my husband, you know, it's going to be at, at like at our all of our amateur rodeos because when the American pushed it on through, it kind of opened mm, eyes, yes. and I've been knocking on the door and you know just basically a voice for it so it could gain some traction up here in Alberta mm-hmm. and for for when the American broke out with breakaway roping then everyone's like well these these girls can rope and they, they are at a professional level and where did all these guys come from and and so basically and I've said it this before that you know basically you know God moved mountains has moved mountains for it and I and like I said going back I told my husband a year ago I can't like, it's going to be at the sale far. And he's like, don't worry, like, come on. Like, and I'm like, no, Neil, it is. And he's like, oh, it's just t- 
too tough. Like, and he would explain to me all the, the hurdles we had. And I'm like, no, I, I know it is. I'm, 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 and I would tell the girls, I would, I'd tell the girls that had these amazing horses at these jackpots and these young girls that are like 15, 16 and just roping like, uh, like professionals. Mm -hmm. I say, just hold on. Like people like me, we're going to break ground for you and mm -hmm. you keep holding on to so the CFR isn't there it isn't basically in your sights yet but keep it in your sights because yeah. it's going to happen and I just kept on telling them and and like if our COVID world would open up we would be at Cipria Rodeo so exactly. just yeah, to even yeah. have that that step and you know there will be people in our community that that aren't um aren't great advocates of it but there's so many that are so it's yeah. going it's going to happen and yeah. we, and it'll evolve and and what a great time to be a breakaway roper like yeah, I yeah. just it's just exciting and you know I'm I'm just so excited that I'm still get to be part of it like mm -hmm. I never thought like even two years ago not like so not even when I was younger and it's like even two years ago that I would get to be part of a pro rodeo and and today i get get to be so it's just an exciting time that yeah. gives me chills like <laughs> yeah seriously like it's history in the making i think that's it is sure. it is 100 right. and it's so exciting that us as women have another event to enter and we don't Absolutely. just do barrel racing like us ladies we can be pretty handy we can swing a rope <laughs> we can rope some calves and yeah i know that's it's unreal that that they brought it to is. Canada and it, it took women like well, you. To I don't know if here. I, you don't give me any credit that I brought it to Canada because it's been here a very long time. Like it, we high school rodeoed with it. Yeah. CJRA yeah. has rodeoed with it. The NRA has, the BCRA has never left the BCRA. Okay. Uh, CCA has always had um, breakaway roping. But what I, what, what I'm an advocate for is I, basically I'm, a, I'm selfish and I'm a breakaway roper and I love it so much. I want it in my rodeos mm -hmm. and I never gave out hope for it. And, um, and, uh, but, I, but I'm a voice for it and I've helped mm -hmm. it build some traction. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a mature lady roper that I'm, I, I, you know, and I, I aligned myself and I visited with some people that a, they're friends of mine, they're stock contractors or they're directors now, or they're presidents of these associations that are saying to me, Hey, I've got a daughter and she's got a rope in her hand and I want her to have this chance. And so, yeah we're finally coming around to, to it just evolving on its own. We're, you know, we're behind the States, but, but there's a lot of good talent here in Canada and, and great horses. And if Canadians know anything, they know how to work. Yeah, and yeah. I'll never forget, I'll never forget Joe Beaver. I'm going to mess up what he said, but I remember on a broadcast him saying, have you met a Canadian? Have you been to Canada? It's cold up there. And those people that <laughs> rope up there, they got to want it. And they do want it because they go out when it's that cold. And if there's anything, we know how to just put those boots on, get to that arena, get find a way to work at our roping all yeah. the time mm -hmm. and just be so dedicated to it because of, it's out of love. And I don't yeah. know. I just, you know, it's, it's going, it's, it's, our girls are, our talent is there. The talent pool and the horse pools there, and we just need a little bit of exposure to it. To to and there's already girls that are at that professional level level, but um, we'll get a deeper pool of that in mm. no time because yeah. we we're already there for our work ethic and 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 the horsemanship that we have horse horsepower and horsemanship that we have in Canada. Mm -hmm. Definitely, that's for sure. Definitely.
So being such an advocate for the sport, can you give us or share a little bit with us about what you have done behind the scenes to help um, open some doors here in Canada? Well, I've, I've been a little bit, uh, I've been not afraid to talk about it and, and, and then just visit um, about it and ask, like, you know, and then like, like I, I remember when it came into the wild rose in the lakeland here and they're like, well, there's this one stock contractor, Dummery, that, you know, he's not really a fan of breakaway roping. And so that's really going to hurt you. And so I'm like, well, heck, I, I, I love that guy. Like he's like, he's like rodeo royalty to me. And, and I'm going to go and have a visit with him about that. Like what, you know, and, and so then I, so then my husband, you know, he's just like, Oh, no, Marie, like really. And I'm like, well, I just want to ask, like, you know, I want him to look me in the eye and I want to know like what it, what it is. And when I sat down and visited with him, he's like, I have nothing against breakaway roping. And I have, and he's basically is, was, saying like if he wanted to have uh you know goose uh chasing at the rodeos he can do it he <laughs> just wants to be prepared for it and know what's coming mm-hmm. and so that he can prepare his committee so that they can bring it on in his style and in his fashion and he wants to say to it to be able to present the show and to be able to still make the money as a stock contractor and just all those things that do have to be in place to actually have our event so when I actually sat down and visited with him he had no problem with breakaway roping so you know it's it's so even the 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 older more established stock contractors aren't they're not against it it's just it's just going to take a little bit for it to kind of filter in and figure out its way in the direction it's going to go so I don't think we have as much pushback so then there's, there's that. And then I, like, I've just showed up, like I, I bring a guy, have all my nieces at rope and I, and I find a roping that I want to go to and I like the format. And then I'm just like, okay, we're all going. And so then when you can show up with like two trucks and trailers and unload and you go and support a roping, that's how it starts to build. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it just goes on from there. And then just providing opportunity, like, at our arena here, like I got breakaway calves and I had ropings and I had clinics and uh, I, I made sure that, you know, uh, my family that is around me and Caitlin Nils girlfriend, I mean, sorry, Grady's girlfriend was able to be here. And it wasn't just me presenting what breakaway roping can be. And we just wanted to give people opportunity so that they can, okay, well, I can do this or I have a refresher. And I just, kind of just made sure the other thing too that I did like I don't we we had all this stock and we donated the stock to rodeos that wanted it I was able to find sponsors for some committees that didn't that I knew that these are people in the community that love breakaway roping and would support money wise and so I just connected it all and did a little bit of legwork but it you know really just all happened itself and then once I was moving on it then then I had this whole army of people that were moving on it and so it wasn't like it was just me. Um, you know, there was a lot of people that, that, that got, you know, it was contagious. Like once I started it, the ball rolling, it just kept on going. So for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I bet everyone is so thankful. Yes. So what do you think it means now for women now that we have another, another event to compete in, in rodeo? You know, I am so, 
so excited for some of these girls. Like I, I think about now, I, I know that'll, that there'll be some that'll be like, oh, come on, Domery. But think about the High Point Championship in Canada. Like that truly will be an opportunity for a lady yeah, in, yeah, in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think about, I, I mentioned her before, so Kim Jerkowski that is always, already going to pro rodeos mm-hmm. and she ropes and her husband has, and she has all these amazing calf horses or rope horses that she's going to be able to break away rope at these rodeos now. And the white sides or uh, Shelby Spillman or even Nellie Miller from down south. Like all these mm-hmm. girls are top barrel racers, you know, to Caitlin Ellis. to, And then I think about the ones that are just starting to get their hand back in it. Like Sydney, Sydney who used to break, break away rope. Her dad was one of the best calf ropers in this country at one time. And she's, She's starting to rope again stronger, and why not? Like, you know, if I can do it and recreate myself at 48, well, heck, she can in her prime. And then I think about uh, my friend down the road, Carolyn Knapp. She's top barrel racer, and her whole family is ropers. Boys rope. They rope all the time. She's kind of roped all along. She's like, I'm going to do this. And, like, I can't imagine. Like, she's a determined girl. Like, she'll be at pro rodeos with barrel racing and breakaway roping, and what a chance for her. Yeah. And I just, I'm just so excited about the opportunity. And then, and then the other thing too that I, I'm really excited about is how that'll filter down. So now these top professional girls like uh, Taylor Fluelling and, and, you know, the Beaujolais girls, these top girls are going to be able to have their place at professional rodeos. And then the amateurs will be able to, to actually, and semi pros will actually be able to not be in, uh, have those entries and be supported by girls that are like, well, I don't want to necessarily, you know, I want to get started, but do I want to rope against like literally professional girls, right? And so, um, not that they're afraid of competition, but you have to, you know, gauge that into some decision making, and it's not um, cheap and it's not for the faint of heart. So there's, you know, that's part of what's going to be exciting is the way it'll just filter in. Everyone will have their place to play. And then there'll be the, you know, the the high school rodeos that, that just keep filling the amateur, you know, filter up into the amateur rodeos and then filter up into the pro rodeos. And then, and then what a great, like, just when I think about it, like, what a great thing, like, just like when I was raising my boys, like, I, you know, if I had had a, had a girl right now, she could literally be saying, okay, well, I'm going to go to those rodeos that Grady and Clinton got to go to, and I'm going to go down to Pendleton, I'm going to go to these places, yeah. and it's real for her, for them. And so it's real for all these girls. And I just think, Oh, wow. Like I, like, I don't know. It's on my, it's on my hope list that maybe I get to enter some of those big big rodeos just to say that I did it. Mm -hmm. But I also also don't like to just be the one that actually just shows up just cause, but maybe I might, I might have to do a couple of those ones once covid lists and yeah. go down to those amazing rodeos and rope at them yeah so that'd be really really cool that's it sure. would be cool mm-hmm. you only live once enter up yeah <laughs> that's right so we are chatting about those bigger rodeos but what kind of roping events do you guys put on yourselves so we've had uh, some interesting chapters in our life neil and i so we used to put on bigger team roping jackpots so we called it the big 10 and gave away 10 championship saddles for a few years wow. and then we had just heritage day ropings but then um just 
just in the cycle of life, we went away from that. And now we, we have put on like um, a bigger breakaway roping uh, where we did qualify for girls to the American. And that was exciting to, to be able to send them down south to, to, to that. So Jane Thurston was one of them and Brittany Shuck and Brittany Smith and Taylor Schmidt. They all got to uh, qualify out of our uh, breakaway. Um, we called it, it was in August. We called it the August breakaway bash. And uh, they qualified down to the American through that. And then um, just backyard jackpots from there. So I wanted to make something that, because in the amateur associations in this neck of the woods, you can be 14 and under boy or girl to compete in the junior breakaway. So I opened, I let boys be able to rope here and we didn't get a huge turnout, but like it's also my cousins. So they're cousin kids that I wanted to be able to come here and, and neighbor kids come here and rope and just have a place to rope and know that we would be here, you know, every second week to put on the, the ropings. And at the end of it, we, you know, we, we got through the seat, through the, the summer roping and, you know, having some hot dogs by the fire and just in, enjoying each other. And, and just, and there was something good about that competition, right? My nieces come, it's different than just practicing by yourself. And it just gives you that edge. And it also, you know, helps you with, you know, your cult feel that a little bit more, the announcer, the music, everything, and it helps build that. So it, it was, it's, it was, it's good. And I think, you know, uh, with the COVID restrictions on Alberta, we're going to try to see what the parameters are and what that's going to look like and try to do that again, but maybe limit it pre-entry and, and limit it a bit, but, but still try to have them here. So yeah, just keep our hand in like, our roping. Sounds like that's going to be possible or mm-hmm. somewhat possible. Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. So, of course, on the Horse Poor podcast, we want to talk a little bit about the horses in roping, too. So, can you tell us what you look for in a rope horse prospect? In a rope horse prospect? Yeah. Yes. You know, we we literally look for a ranch horse. Okay. Something that's been ranched off of before. And if we can't do it, our prospects, if we can't do it ourselves, we look for a prospect that's been ranched off of. Just some that basically they know how to work they've already run down a cow um they're just easier they're quiet they're more mature mm-hmm. um they you know they're, they have experience maybe in the branding pen and uh, it's just it's just a little bit to, easier for us to take that horse that is a little bit more mature and that's the kind of prospect we look for to to then go on with rope horse training mm-hmm. okay so do you guys, do you like to start any of your own colts? We have had um, projects around here and some colts that we started. Uh, that was when the boys were around full time and Quinton does do that. But if we're looking for prospect bloodline wise, you know, we, of course, we always go back um, to the cow horse. So uh, Neil's uncle raised uh, uh, two-eyed jack, so foxy, fox-eyed and wimpy-eyed fox. And so then we have had great success with those horses here and from his line and then you know like of course we always like anything that has peppy sound on its papers or docalina or um mm-hmm. uh you know colonel freckles even like like smart yeah. little lena all those cow bred guys but we also when we're picking a prospect we look to uh people that can pick them or raise them like you know like we have had uh we have a horse that's been head horse of the year and uh jack and kelly hart uh 
she actually, they never raised them, but, but Kelly picked them. And when those people that know the bloodlines and know the, the pedigrees and, and know the confirmation that they like, then, you know, they're, you know, just, just run with that because they know what they're talking about. Like, and they know what should be in the pen. And, and, uh, you know, we went and ended up with a horse through, uh, some other avenues of theirs and and boy that's paid off for us because he'd been ranched off of but he also was built to last and has a great mind and just was an easy horse to make because of of the successful picking from the original uh purchaser so Mm -hmm. yeah so if someone's like brand new to roping you would you suggest that they find themselves a horse that kind of already knows what it's doing you know i i never want to discourage anybody that wants to do that that has some know-how but you know myself uh, when our when we were raising our boys and our and then from my own self when I was getting back into it I we and for my nieces that have come up we find them old proven campaigners and they might need maintenance but we appreciate those the all the work and all the like you know usually the 15 year old that they can you just know that they know their job they're, they're, they're safe as far as soundness wise. So they're not, you know, tripping on themselves and going to cause a wreck, but they uh, need a little bit of TLC to keep going. And, and then the roper really truly only has to worry about themselves. And there are so many variables to roping. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, you know, just eliminate the, the concern for the horse. And when you're first beginning is my advice, like back, like don't learn like we had to, where we got that one horse that made it have one month rope horse training on it. And then ignorance is bliss. You just go in the box and, and maybe you're, maybe you're happy doing that. And if you're wired that way, then, you know, so be it. But, and, and I don't want to discourage that, but honestly, my recommendation would be to, to get a good campaign or get one that's seasoned and, and then you'll just, you'll keep loving it. And then from there, mm-hmm you know, you can build yourself your horses and you'll have that experience to be able to do so. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, right from the get go, it's so much easier on a good campaigner. Yeah. Yeah. I took okay. my barrel mare to a roping clinic when she was five and oh my gosh, that was a nightmare. Like someone <laughs> actually sp- like smashed into me and like she oh, went no. into bucking and then I'm trying to rope oh, no. and, and as soon as like I'd get, like we were just like on the smarty and as soon as I would like throw my rope on the smarty she'd shy away and it was just it'd be so much easier if I just had something that just could track that smarty or track that steer and go <laughs> yeah. but I did have so like a focus on your on how I'm there. swinging yeah <laughs> and it's and when you're like trying to swing and you're swinging for a while like your arm hurts when you're not used to it and I'd be like ha- all, like three yeah. laps around that arena and you're yeah. swinging and you're just like oh my gosh well, Cash, just go straight you know, I wouldn't be afraid to take that mare if you have a sled like dummy and do that mm-hmm. at home in your own space, on your own time, at your own pace with that quad driver going at a walk and then at a trot yeah. and doing, or even just a, a dummy that's mounted up so you can walk up to it or just have that horse stand in position as that three-year-old barrel horse that you, that you think, Hey, this could be a rope horse. She's kind of versatile or whatever. I wouldn't have any issues with that, but just to go out and compete and then, cause it takes a lot of bravery and it is kind of a fearful thing from going from zero to a hundred. And it does feel like that. Yeah. And so it, and then for that horse to track up and to all, do all of those things, let alone pick up your rope and maneuver it to get game position mm-hmm. and then to get your, your arm going. And it just, it just, 
as a beginner is way too much. Yeah, <laughs> it is a lot. Much. And plus, I'm like terrified to lose a finger. I know like that'd be more for team roping, but we do some ranch <laughs> roping. And now that mare that I took that clinic, I ranch rope off of her at home. Hey, and... I saw a guy take his thumb off on a machine. So Ugh. it can happen. Ugh. So it's, it's not like a, a rope. A rope is, a, is still a, and a, and so many variables. Everything's is, moving, yeah. and sometimes those horses do what you're not. They're not supposed to, and zing and zing. So I seen a guy get his finger ripped off. I was at the most hillbilly event ever. It was a ranch rodeo at this like I'm from Lacobiche, so it was at Rich Lake, which is like a really tiny little small community. And, uh, yeah, we're at this ranch rodeo and like, it was so hillbilly. The guy across the highway just like walked up and like shot his cow in the head, like during like this event that we were at. Yeah. It was so (laughs) ridiculous. Like it was like a Napoleon dynamite moment. Like, you know, when he like shoots the cow with like school bus full of kids comes. But anyways, yeah, I was like that, but this kid, we were doing like the wild horse race and, um, yeah, this guy like roped the horse, like he was on the team. He wasn't on my team, but he was on a different team. And when he dallied, yeah, his finger, was two fingers came up, came right off. And his dad like picked them up from the dirt and like took them to the hospital. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, well, no, you might have uh, back on, but I can understand your fear for losing them now. That uh, sounds traumatic. I saw yeah. that happen a little while ago. Nadine. Yeah. My boyfriend lost his, well, two tips of his fingers from tying a horse in the trailer. So any ropes can do that. Yeah. That's right. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. breakaway. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Level up, be better, be stronger. Man, I thought we were doing something funny. That's not funny. You want funny? I want I want to jump out of my seat. Oh, I heard horse poor is the code you got to use when you go to level up apparel and you get the hats we do. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. It gets the people going. Anyways, guys, if you see us on Instagram, see us on Facebook, just know that if you use the hor- the, the code HORSEPOOR at Level Up Apparel, you'll get a discount code on your hats, your jackets, your vests, your sweaters, your t-shirts. Anyways, I hope you like our wrap and enjoy the rest of this episode. So for um, people that are thinking of getting into breakaway roping, what would you say it takes to be a successful breakaway roper? Um, I think what it takes is determination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it takes, so it takes determination. It takes good effort. So if you stay focused and stay, stay after anything, uh, you know, you can, and put your mind to it, you can do it. But as far as to be a really successful, you have to 365 days think it and do it. Um, maybe you can't rope every day, but you can do something for your roping every day. So maybe it's, you have to go to work to earn entry fee money. Yeah. Maybe it's lift weights. Maybe it's eat right. Maybe it's uh, not consume as much alcohol. Um, but, you know, breakaway roping is, is a quick event, right? I think it happens in two seconds. So it takes strength. So your core has to be super, super strong. Yeah. And you also, so you have to be in a certain amount of, condition body wise Mm -hmm. and then the weights help because uh and I found this when I wanted team rope more but it plays into breakaway roping so team roping our categories are numbered and we're against men so uh to to be able to throw a rope 
and have that power on my swing and compete against the men, you have to have strength. So I've always been into weightlifting when I, when I opened up this new chapter to really take my roping seriously. And it was my time. I was like, okay, I need to, I need to be as strong as these guys. And I, so I, so I'm not as strong as them, but I can get myself a certain amount, gain myself a certain amount of strength. So I'm always lifting weights. And then mind games, like I, I have a basketball in the, in the shop and I, utilize it and I shoot it with my right hand I shoot it with my left hand and you know card games and uh food with good nutrition and like this it it takes all of that to be successful but the biggest thing is dedication Mm -hmm. you just have to dedicate yourself to it because it because and then also as it's opening up and the and the better the horses are getting the better the competition is getting you have to be able to you know see them out see your start, not be behind your horse, not fighting your equipment, not, and to be able to just have that strength to go and rope it in two seconds. And for that all to come together, it looks super easy when it's done well, but it, for it all to come together, it takes us a a lot of dedication. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, Like you said, to be, you need to be dedicated and think about it and just be focused on it 365 days a year. So if you if you're a barrel racer and you wanted to start breakaway roping, like mm-hmm. do you think you can still be successful trying to do continue barrel racing while you're learning breakaway roping? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I'm also an advocate for just do it. So you yeah. you know to be truly truly top of top of the game, it, but it's a- anything. Like you could every girl every girl barrel racer knows what it takes to be dedicated. So first mm-hmm. of all, you've got that for you because. You're, you know, the money that it takes to, to generate to barrel race, the, the, the time, the conditioning, the effort to, to know nutrition plans, to know training tips, to go to that clinic, to go see that vet. Like, uh, it just, just, it, like so you've already, wa- you've already got so much of the package that it takes. So, mm-hmm. so to me, it's just like when I was raising the kids just do it. Like the kids literally had that rope in their hand and they were roping their, the legs. They were, and so then I literally, when I wanted to start this again, I just thought back, okay, how did they get this good? And, and how did they do it? And so how they did is they had a, like a cowboy toy in the house and they had, mm-hmm. you know, ropes in the shop and they had the dummies were out all the time. So, so then I, you know, I'm, I'm not a kid, kid so I'm not going to necessarily hammer out the cowboy toy I'm going to sit and maybe read but I literally would set myself up for for that more so I would uh and I would make sure that I was roping the dummy every day and you know I didn't hammer it out 500 times a day like I would rope yeah. it really dedicated like 20 times a day and I do like I'd go to clinics so that I could see the drills that they would you know, show us. And then I would say, okay, I'm not just doing it at this clinic. I'm going to do it here as well in my shop. And mm-hmm. I would set myself up for that. And then um, when we went to roping, instead of just going up and socializing and being with the, with all the other adults, all the other kids are playing reach down in the, on the dirt. And so then I would join up and reach and I wouldn't necessarily play reach with them the whole time. And they'd all look at me like, what's what is this old lady doing? <laughs> but I was just, they would then afterwards, when you keep start playing with them, they're, they're fine to do it. And most of them were kids I knew anyway, but, and I, and I literally would, would do that. And now I, I'm, I don't find myself doing that as, as much, but I was at that, like on that learning curve, I'm like, get in that mindset of how these kids 
became so good. Like they have timing because they would play the inside game at the ropings and they would just always have a rope in their hand. And so I'd make sure that I packed my dummy in the back of my truck and I made sure that I roped it or, or I would go find a roping, a, a dummy. Or mm-hmm. if we went to, um, you know, if I was, if I, we went to a rodeo with the, with the guys and I wasn't in it, or maybe I was even barrel racing at it, I would still have rope and, and I would go rope the dummy a bit. Yeah. So I was always having that action. And then it, and then to me, it's, it's about exposure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, you have to get in the game. You just have, and the, that's the beauty about what's happening now is there's going to be more and more arenas that are going to have breakaway roping. And hopefully they'll, they will stay the course so that they can say, okay, well, we're only getting eight ropers right now. Like, what are we doing wrong? And they're not doing anything wrong. Like the format's not skewed. There's nothing. It's just, they're going to come. They're going to be more of these girls are going to get, you know, the barrel racers are going to say, Hey, I, I think I'm going to do that. And, you know, I, I, and I found that in, in here, like here at home, like you just have to, you know, be patient. You have to get exposed to it, go to the jackpots and just start putting yourself in that spot to go and then find, and then not be afraid to find the ropers in your community and just say, I haven't practiced. I'd like to try. Do you mm-hmm. mind? Do you have any slow stairs? I'd like to start. And, you know, it, I can't imagine anybody in our community saying no to that. Yeah. And, or, you know, or trying to set some time around and, and, uh, you know, find a clinic is a good thing. Uh, but, but just literally just do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you've inspired yeah. me. I might have to go dust off my rope bag and pull the ropes <laughs> There out. you go. Good girl. <laughs> yeah. I was trying you... to fig- Sorry, go ahead. I was trying to figure out which one of you guys, because you guys are such, learn like, you just want to learn so much. You're like little sponges when I hear you on your other podcast. <laughs> and I was like, which one of them wants to learn how to rope by one? I do big time. <laughs> like, I, see, so this, like, next kind of question, like, I really, um, relate to and I know like some of us girls do too and especially some of our listeners especially those who didn't grow up in a rodeo family so mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. myself um I do like I love ranch roping I love being in the branding pen like I don't really have a problem roping there and I like I do practice a lot at home but getting into a competition is a lot different and just getting past like that initial um maybe worry of first entering your breakaway Mm -hmm. jackpot or rodeo so what are some helpful pieces of advice for someone who didn't grow up roping as a child or uh, maybe changing your your question yeah maybe changing your mindset because okay so so one thing let me be inspiration not that I'm like oh don't worry but honestly like I'm 48 years old and I literally I I took off so much time I basically had to relearn things and I also had to break down my swing like I didn't have a very good swing to get to the level of roping that I wanted to be and Mm -hmm. and my husband like I said he's my soulmate but he honestly just was so happy that I was participating he didn't he didn't break down my swing and also maybe to save the marriage maybe <laughs> he didn't go there like you know that's the but worst. I don't I maybe that is a, he is he is a smart guy maybe that's why but yeah. you know like I, I had to I had to I had to I wanted to be at a I knew I wanted to be at a certain level and I used and I and I used to um think okay well here's all these little cousins coming along and and I'm going to keep up with at the pace of this this next kid like he's he's eight right now and he's just and he's roping 
probably better than me, but maybe at the same level as me, and I'm going to keep up with, with him. So if he's if he's going to that rope and I'm going to get to that rope, and I'm going to get myself exposed as much as 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 he is or she is so that I can, you know, keep it with that pace. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like that, you know, everyone's different. So then I just backed off the pressure and I did, and I just told myself, like my antithesis to say, well, just do it. Like, yeah. why not? Why not just do it? And I was just so inspired by all these people that were around me and then saw what it took and it literally just took doing it like and the other thing too is that I so I I know what it takes for for the fear factor and but if you can rope a steer or calf in the branding pen you've already got it because there's some super uh, amazing hand-eye coordination that has to happen mm-hmm. to rope a little calf in the branding pen and get it, them yeah. off and drug in. It's so frustrating. So, you know, I yeah, love it. I love it. It it's is so fun, fun, though. Good for you. Yeah. So, you know, just, I like, um, you know, just, it, it is, it is a little bit of fear. And, like, I remember telling my husband, but, like, they didn't realize it because it came so natural to them. And I'm around such really great ropers that they didn't even realize that dallying would be a chore. And they're like, well, just dally. Well, how, you know, how do I dally? Why am yeah. I not, you know? And they're just like, I don't know, just do it. Like, it's basically so easy <laughs> to them. And I'm just like, okay, well, here I am, um, like, facing the fear to, to, to do it again, right? And, to, and then the other thing, too, is that I should have known all of this stuff before is what I was thinking. But it's okay. And I just gave my, took the pressure off. I got myself some schools. And my husband gave me, uh, you know, the opportunity great horses and the kids had great horses and I just kept on getting myself in that and then literally just started entering and Mm -hmm. and and being proud of myself for things that I had accomplished like maybe I didn't rope every steer every time but I but this was the goal enter Mm -hmm. that's good did I enter and did I compete yes that was the goal and 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 then they kept building from there and then it's literally all about exposure like just do it like it, you just and and the and you just have have to know that the roping community is a is a is the easier to me it's an easier community to be in like mm-hmm. i i love barrel racers don't get me wrong some of my best friends are barrel racers but i honestly feel and maybe it's just my personality obviously i'm a roper but i feel like the roadie, roping community is a little bit more accepting of a beginner like a lot of mm-hmm. people are wanting to help if you ask them, yeah. you know, there's opportunities to be a beginner and, and you know, clinics and people just, the, the, just the atmosphere around it's a little bit easier going to, you know, per se. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's easier for a beginner there and just, yeah. just. I can agree with that. Like even when I started ranch roping this year and I started catching a lot, there was a man there, his name's Cal. And oh my God, he's the nicest person. Like mm-hmm. every time I swung and I, and I dallied off, he's like, I am so proud of you. Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You're doing amazing. I'm like, I don't think anyone has told me they're more proud of me than this man. Like, thank you. Like, <laughs> even like in Fairview here, there's, um, we'd go to roping nights every Wednesday and I would just go and I'd watch. I was, I wasn't confident enough to ride with them, but I would just go and like open the shoot for them just so I could watch and I could learn. And, um, Harold and Bev there, they're so nice. Like they, they, I'm not sure if you know the Milnes from up here. Um, but they're big ropers up here and they are so accepting and so nice and just full of tips and yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad to know that you experienced what I I feel. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like there, you know, we, you know, not every perfect per, every person's perfect every time, and you know, even I'm sure I can be, you know, not perfect, you know, perfectly friendly, but I feel like it's a good community. Yeah, that's for sure. So we have heard that uh, you actually put on some clinics yourself. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about these and what somebody could expect coming to one of your clinics? Yeah, so what you can expect is it wouldn't be just me. It would be my husband, Neil, and then I make Grady and Caitlin <laughs> Ellis and Quentin, if he's up, uh, be part of that. And um, what you can expect is just fun, like the enthusiasm for for the sport and just, uh, whether it's a, a boy or a lady roper, uh, we like to show them our passion for it. Uh, we try to set up the arena so that it's uh, and so that the cattle are suitable. They should be slower, uh, and then we try to, you know, we always like I don't know. I'm I'm like I'm a snack person, so I take cookies out there and chips, and then pop and water, and make sure that everyone's. Hydrated, you know. Yeah, Stevie's eyes and, just got huge. You know, because usually you're running, <laughs> usually you're running from wherever to get them, and we we're trying to put them like it might be a little bit. We might be freed up now in these COVID times to be able to do it on a weekend. But you, you know, picture our schedule prior to this was, you know, you're gone every weekend to a roping or a rodeo. So it, you know, you, there wasn't a weekend to put it on, and it's, but we only have an outdoor facility as well. So then you're dealing with the fair weather that you're trying to, to work within. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's evenings, Monday evenings at six o'clock. Well then, you know, I want to make sure that they uh, would have something to eat and then we'd go till dark and we have a uh, sled, like a calf open sled or tie down sled that you can pull on a quad and then good instruction around that. Like uh, two people like Neil driving it or Grady on the back of it or Caitlin or one of us or Caitlin on the horse or all four of us are moving moving in that uh, drill to be able to, you know, and help the, the roper accomplish position and accomplish what they need to with their horse as well as their rope and then set it up for success. Like, you know, and and then uh, – we we do like before we get onto like the moving uh, drills. We show them all the roping drills and then also the equipment, the tools that it takes. Because you know I I have to give Brittany Shuck um, credit for this. There's like not even that long ago, four years ago, she saw me like fighting with me tying this nylon string on. She's like, "Don't worry," and like I have roped with Brittany for I don't know probably ten years. And she comes over to me and she's like, like don't worry, what are you doing there? Her, and she showed me, this, 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 this is the easy way to tie this. And to, like, just the, just the little tips that, that, that I'm like, how did I not know that? Well, I didn't know it. And so then, you know, show all these like, you know, here, just tying on the string, which should be a basic thing, but, you know, maybe it's a refresher, but here's some tips that we, and maybe not the way you're going to do it forever, but here's the way we do it. And I, and, and we also show, um, like tips in the in the box with horses because that's a lot you know to the the box work alone and um and then just try to make sure we have suitable cattle and then um you know we end up usually sitting around and just visiting and then the fellowship afterwards you know and and getting them back to a jackpot and just keep keeping their hand on in it and their their enthusiasm in it so perfect and so is that so are your clinics typically geared toward like more towards uh, beginners or people just getting into it? 
You know, we put on a fundraiser uh, back when we were, uh, we, we had the understanding that if we could raise the, I think it was like $9,000 for one of our amateur associations up here, we could get in all in, all into the rodeos, all into their finals. And so then we're like, oh, heck, yeah, we can, we can, do, we can raise the money. So when we started doing all these creative things and we pulled together like Brittany Smith and uh, Caitlin Ellis and uh, we all went down to the Serena here in Innisfail and, and we put on uh, a refresher and a beginner clinic. And, you know, what was great about that is then Brady and Caitlin and Brittany could uh, get these girls that had built in high school, but now they are wanted to get going again and just like showed them. And because Caitlin uh, had, uh, was the Lakeland rodeo coach, she, you know, she was used to dealing with girls at that level. And boy, did she ever sharpen those girls up in no time. And it's, not anything that I couldn't do either, but I just really do tend to fall to the beginners. Like here, here, pick up your rope like this and get it around your head. <laughs> you know, like have the patience to yeah, help build the loop. You know, all that sort of thing. So, yeah. But, but yeah, I we do like to try to get to that to that next level and, and elevate where whatever level they're at. Do you have any tips for starting a breakaway horse for training? Uh, well, as far as tips to start, we, you know, we, we just, we usually pasture rope and ranch off of everything that we rope off of. So mm-hmm. it's, um, they get, they get to, to track cattle out in the field and it was actually interesting. So Grady had a culture that he was working on. And he had to go, and he had a heck of a time catching this calf. And he's going to hate this. I told the story on it, but he did. Like, this, this colt and the calf and everything was just not in, in sync. And he had troubles with this colt tracking up. And then that, like, so then that horse stayed saddled, had lunch, then went to the arena to, to rope. And that horse had its best day in a month uh, of riding in the arena that um that afternoon and i think like you know we can't discount how much we can give our horses by just being able to go out and and do that and oh i i'm no expert in the horse training but like caitlin definitely does a lot of that and she starts all of her horses and has great success in it and a lot of it is just alley like she'll she'll alley roping with these calves and just track um tracking them you get that cat horse locked on and show them position that consistently and and then you know working on their shoulder movement and and keeping them driving into that position and then just wanting wanting them wanting them to stop underneath themselves and really mm-hmm. use themselves and uh yeah so that's why i think you know our ranching comes comes into play for for the arena roping and that's kind of just the way we've been able to make them and had good success that way Mm -hmm. okay so we want to kind of get into maybe a couple things that um a breakaway horse can face when starting to learn this sport so what are some helpful tips you can do to prevent a horse from getting too hot in the box oh well um again I, i you know we, I am around good trainers and around a lot of good horsemen, but I, I'm not necessarily the, the piling on them for this, but lots of scoring, uh, walking out, mm-hmm. 
while while you nod, walking out of the box while you nod, and and you know you release the calf, so you're already you're in the corner. But then you start at a walk, you nod, the calf gets released, but that horse is the goal is for that horse to be walking now. That horse gets elevated and pushy mm-hmm. and hot and and really alert. Um, you you know we then repeat. So then you go back in and you get you want that pace to stay calm and they can be alert but not out of control and not hot not pushy and um, we just basically try to do lots of scoring and then we do lots of miles out of the arena like lots of activities like why are they locked up why what's were they anticipating what were they getting anxious about and try to you know get all of those holes revealed out in the out in in the pasture and riding them like are there you know you know besides eliminating you know teeth and health and all of that sort of thing um you know is the bit that we have is it the chin strap too much is the bit too much you know evaluating that the tools that we have in them and then evaluate the training like is the horse just locked up in the shoulders do we need to do more with that, are they, you know, just generally have we pushed them a little bit too fast? They need to get back to slower work and and get their mind in in place and then get back to that uh, that little faster live or ca- live cattle. You know, nothing ruins a horse faster than fast fast cow- cattle, and so we and when they're not ready for it. So we, you know, try to make sure that if they have got pushed to that point, maybe back them off and just go to the helomatic again for a bit. Mm-hmm. So do you find like most horses, do they pretty naturally pick up tracking the steer or the dummy or do, um, do you see like bloodlines play a big factor in that? Well, I know Caitlin is super fussy about bloodlines. Neil and I have literally uh, just, whatever God has served us up, we've, we've accepted and carried on. I have, we have been, you know, particular about getting to the, you know, cow bred type and we have a certain type that we look for, but we've, we've also had some interesting unique courses around here. And, mm-hmm. um, but what helps us is if you, you pick a prospect that has been ranched off of, uh, it, it eliminates all of those things. But, you know, we have had some horses that it's just not their thing. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, we, we have Quinton stir wrestles, so maybe they can be a hay horse. Maybe they can be a stir wrestling horse. Maybe they want to be a barrel horse. Maybe they don't. They maybe they don't want to be an arena performance horse. And so, just you know, you can't uh, you can't force it uh, too hard for too long till you know that you're just you're going down the wrong road with that horse. Yeah. If you listen, they will tell you. Absolutely. What are some differences when training a team roping horse versus a breakaway horse? You know, that's a good question, but I really don't think that there's that there's much of a difference to tell you the truth. Um, it's um, it's it's a, a lot of the same. We we do find a lot of times though is that when we do team rope off of a horse, they can easily get put into the breakaway, and they seem to pick it up pretty fast like they just have all of that but um but I I don't think it's 
easier to make a team roping horse versus a breakaway horse. But like I said, once you've team roped off of them, they pretty much get into that breakaway. Like actually to tell you the truth, um, my the horse that I'm now breakaway roping off that Neil kept on telling me, don't worry, you're going to want to rope off this horse. And he's like Neil's good head horse and he's longer bodied and longer stride. And I'm like, no, like I'm not breakaway roping off that horse. And then he kept on saying, no, no, Marie, I really think you should. Like, he's so easy in the box, and he's this, and you can team rope off him with lots of success. And I kept on going, no, no, like, yeah, I want a shorter back, shorter move. Like, I had this, you know, calf horse type in my brain. And honestly, then Quint moved uh, his good horse that I was breakaway roping off of down to Innisfail. And I had to get, if I wanted to breakaway rope, I had to get on Roman because that's what I had. And... I was like, I love this horse. <laughs> like he's so so easy to make that that transition to the breakaway, and yeah. he's super smart. Ranched off of him and headed off of him, healed off of him, and he's just that kind of horse. And so then I'm just like, I honestly, for a short score, he's he's my guy. I don't know if I'd want to be at Medicine Hat and long score in a summer rodeo with him in that in that arena. But I know that. Uh, for like a stavely setup or high prairie, I'm just like this is the guy. He really is. So that's that's how easy it can be sometimes. Yeah. So, what are some lessons that people can walk away when attending one of your clinics? We I like to show them the stations and the drills that we have, and we have we stay dedicated on, and they can take that back to their place. And if they hammer that out at home then they 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 have something and also like it was funny I have a lot of uh my nieces and my um the girls that have come to the to the schools and not that I've been doing them that long so it's not like I have like you know all of these years of you know students coming back to me but I'm starting to get this positive feedback and they're like oh yeah like Domery is very particular about the way you coil your rope and and I've said that, like, like this, this rope right here, you kids, first of all, they cost a lot of money and they, you, 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 they're your friend and they also have a memory. So I teach them the proper care of their rope. And it's funny that obviously that passion that I have and that care for that rope, I tell, I pass that on and I put my mark on all, all the kids because I've gotten the most feedback from that. So that's one thing that you can get back and then just the pure enthusiasm and love for it. Like it's just so good for the body, mind and soul. It connects so much and there's just such reward in a catch. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't matter if it's nine seconds or three seconds or four seconds. It's just such accomplishment that you've had all those variables come together in one. And there's just like, yes, like you feel like you've just won the world and it's Mm -hmm. in the practice pen, you know? Yeah. And I feel it every single time, not, not just at a big rodeo, not just at a jackpot. Like I'm talking every time when I rope a successful rope, like a, a calf, I, it doesn't matter. I feel like I've won the world every time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I could pass that on to somebody that comes to the clinic, that kind of love for and appreciation for roping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can definitely feel you on putting like handling your rope and coiling it correctly I have gotten yelled at (laughs) and I learned that really quick like don't wreck that rope and make sure you're doing it properly and 
Also making sure that you're holding it like properly with like their coils the same size as you're roping. That really helps yep. a lot. When I first yep. started, well, actually not really when I first started, I was kind of being a little lazy about that. And when I dallied, I was like, my mind was going a hundred miles a minute and I got one of my drawstrings and my sweater attached to my dally. And that yeah. was really bad. <laughs> that was scary. So yeah, yeah. You have yeah. Those little wake up calls. Yeah, those little strings, they're not your friend in the rope pen. And you, no. the worst thing is that when you don't get your dowie and you want to, and, they, and everyone's like, what happened? And you're like, you don't want to tell the group of guys, yeah, I got my string in my dowie. And like, <laughs> that's just silly, silly excuses. You just got to eliminate all that stuff. Yeah, Stevie, you'd have to watch your hair. That's for sure. Your hair's so oh, long. So Could you imagine? It's oh always in a braid, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. Yeah, I well, I my <laughs> nieces have hair down to their but and I'm like they'll they'll come to the rope pen just all kind of like I don't know teenage girls god love them but and uh, their hair won't be like back in a pony or braided up and I'm like you're not ready to rope and they're like yeah I am and I'm like no you're not like you have to braid your hair or you have to put it in a pony and they're like aha and I'm like no like it's a factor yeah like I don't want to hear my hair got my way I couldn't yeah. rope them yeah. or you rip all your hair out uh, yeah that, yeah that'd be a quick lesson that's for sure yeah head on over to dynamic equine and check out what they have to offer on that page the beamer blanket is one of those things and we are such believers in the beamer go check it out so we also we've heard that you had experienced maybe even a near fatal accident would you be yeah. willing to share a little bit about that with with us? Yeah. So um, I think it was 2002, was that? I think it was. Um, I can't remember the year. Like, I, I have to write it down. I remember it was the year that Wayne Gretzky coached or was involved with the, the, with the gold medal because I remember it leading up to the Olympics and just wanting to be part of that and, and the lead up to that. And it was – family day weekend February and it was unusually warm in Alberta and uh we got invited actually to go uh sled at a, a friend's place and just hang out and do that sort of thing shinny hockey and um but I'd also um back at the ranch where we originally were with at uh Neil where Neil was raised they had had an indoor arena and we were going to rope with cousins of ours and they phoned that morning and they said well what are you guys going to do and we're like oh yeah we forgot we got invited over to this other fellow's place and they're like yeah we got invited there too so what are you going to do we're going to rope or we're going to go there and so then I said well no get back in from the uh, feedlot and we'll I'll let you know what we're going to do so called back and I was like well I guess we'll go over and we'll go skate whatever the kids will probably want to do that so phone back and I remember the disappointment and uh cousin's voice like really we're not gonna rope okay and so so we went down and when we were leaving um the the, uh the vega like we're driving out of vega and we had cupcakes and everything going and kids were not very 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 old like um grady was in grade two and quentin was just in going into kindergarten not even in kindergarten preschool and um so I remember getting told, quit, Domery, quit putting off your roping. 
And the the image was my Uncle Bob, and he was the one that I was telling about the Slate Arena. And, and he's like, don't worry, quit putting off your roping. And, and I, we kept on going out. And at that time, I wanted to tell Neil, like, I felt like screaming inside of me saying, like, turn around, go back. I, I want to rope today. And I, I just pushed it back, and we got to town. And Neil's like, well, we got to get some of the liquor store. What do you want to drink? And I and I'm like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, did the usual, like, I don't know, get me whatever. And he's like, no, what do you want? And I, I actually want to say, no, I don't want anything. I want to go home. And I kept on fighting it. And I was like, oh, just um, get me whatever. So he's like, well, what do you want? Like, like, and I'm like, oh, get me those, like, uh, Caesar drinks or whatever. So he's like, okay. So he got me that. Get get there. And as we get to down and we're leaving, it's only four miles from town where we were supposed to go. And as we were crawling into that driveway, I just came up in me this burning desire to just yell at him, like, go back home. And I just, and um, I said, finally came out and I just controlled myself. I said to Neil, I, I don't want to stay very long. And he goes, me neither. Me neither. And so then we both have this really weird feeling about it. So we got there. And like I said, it was an unusually warm February day and the lake was water and the fellow had pushed a nice fire spot and had a big drift, um, a pile of, of snow and fire was going and no sister was there and lots of family, friends. And uh, we sat by the, on this straw bale and I sat down, put the tailgate down, took the cupcakes out and I might've had the neck out of my drink. And I was, um, uh, had sleds coming, like guys were on these sleds and they were coming. You know how really good riders, they come in at a hundred miles an hour and then jump off at zero and like in no time. And they're very, very skilled at it. And then at first I was looking to them, but then got ignoring them. And then from here to tell you the truth, everything that I'm going to repeat is actually secondhand because I don't remember anything from this point on. But uh, apparently, so the sled came, a riderless sled that this kid was on, a family friend he, that Neil grew up with his family playing hockey with, and he was on the sled, and the steering column came off in his hands, and that sled went for a while with him on it, and then he came off, but he wasn't hurt, and then that sled went, and it was an older sled, so it wasn't it like fully engaged. They said probably was about like 50 kilometers an hour like in there, and he said it was going, he was laughing. He's like, oh, this is going to be quite a story. He's going to go into the lake. And it was going towards the lake. And then he said, all of a sudden, he says that it made this really eerie pull and it came back towards the house. But he's like a long ways out already. And then he said, he said, then he said he sees it and it's literally going for the house. So he starts running, but it's so loud and he's yelling and he, nobody can hear him. He can't keep up with the sled. And it literally, he sees, sees this. They go towards the house, go towards this pile, and, and then that's all he sees till he gets there. And then what happened is it jumped that that um, pile of snow, and it hit me. And um, one of the guys said the worst thing he did was yell, look out, because then actually I and Neil's sister were sitting on the same bell and right beside each other, and we both stood up, and I lifted and guarded my um, right side and it literally took me out and then the one we're not sure because everyone was scattering but the one neurologist that saw both uh, Colleen and I he told me that what he figures is that I smashed into her head and broke her eye socket with my head oh and my then God. it ripped like so then it hit all on my right side so um, I had so then it threw us underneath like I don't know 
can't remember what they said. I think it was like 25 feet or something. We flew together. And I, when they got to me, I had blood, I was unconscious and I had blood coming from my ears and I wasn't moving. And, uh, Colleen was knocked out as well, like Mm -hmm. my sister-in-law. And so then apparently when I did wake up, I just was really combative and moving back and forth. And, um, they were trying to stabilize me to like lay still, but they said that was actually the worst thing to do for me because of my injury. So what ended up happening is I had, a um, all my ribs from one through nine broke on my right side and five through oh. seven broke on my left oh. side. And I broke apart my elbow. So I have a plate and four screws in there. And then I had a baseline fracture of my skull that had a slow bleed oh. on the brain. And then, um, like just, incredible damage to that whole right side and then um so then uh when I was laying there one they wanted me to lay still and lay flat and I don't remember any of this um I was trying to get air because my lung had collapsed and I and the worst thing would be laying flat so Mm -hmm. they they tell the story and I I think it's kind of funny and it also describes you know the, the the fight in me um this uh, ambulance attendant, they, <laughs> my husband's like, oh, that's the guy. Like, I'm talking a couple months later. I see this, um, uh, ambulance attendant that was, it's huge. He was a huge man, like as big as my husband, like, like, and I, he, him and this other really big friend of ours, man, and Neil tried to lay me down on and strap me in. And I literally, they said it took all of them. And I grabbed hold of this guy's stethoscope, and I had a hold of it so strong with my broken arm and everything. And they said they think that they probably broke it even my arm even more because of the way that they had to fight me. And I and the guy said like let go of me because I was choking him with his stethoscope and get her to let go of me. And I like they literally said they had to pry one finger at a time, and then they strapped me in. And then they got me by Grand Ambulance for four miles, and then got me um, from there. I guess, like, I still have the scar on my right hand where I pulled out the IV because I was so combative, which they said they knew it was brain injury. And then they told Neil that um, after they attended to me that um, they don't know what to expect, get to the U of A, and we don't know if she's going to make it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how bad it was. So poor Neil had to drive with his parents and... um, with his sister and me, um, like in this shape and we flew by stars and, and, and such a neat thing to uh, stars, uh, the stars team that came to, to us, they made the decision and we made a historic flight. They took both of us and they said, no, we're not leaving any of them behind. So they took both Colleen and I in that flight and they never usually take two, two patients. And then they flew us to the U of A and then like poor nail, like, honestly, I cried so much for all of these things that I found out afterwards that they, so then, you know, they have counselors that meet for those uh, traumatic instances. And Neil and his mom were greeted and met by this, this lady and said, you know, stay here. Once we get them stationed, they're just going through emergency. They have arrived. We'll f- figure out where they end up and we will come and get you and get you to, to your wife, to your daughter. And so then they waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. And then in the meantime, everybody is arriving to the U of A, like all of my family, all of my 
um, sisters, my mom, my Neil's cousins, like the family and friends and just everyone's getting there. And then uh, Neil's one cousin, Kim Hart's walking around. They find my sister. They're like, where's Neil? Where's Auntie Alan or where's Uncle Jim? And they're like, like, we don't know. Like, why aren't they here? Where are they? And so literally they just split up. And tr- and every single one, they're like, they're here somewhere. We've got to find them because here's the other thing too: they wouldn't release any information on us until they got to mm-hmm. to Neil and them, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they are looking and looking and looking for them, and uh, finally they found him just stored away. The lady went off shift and forgot all about him. And kidding? they were like <sighs> not patient just to sit there and wait. They didn't. They don't know. Like they don't oh know what's God. going on. They don't know if they're wait. What's happening? So then. Finally, they met up and they went up to the um, intensive care unit that I was in, and everyone's you know waiting there. And they, the one nurse came out and said, "Which one of you is Neil?" And Neil says, "Well, I am." And they said, um, "I just wanted to let you know that your wife has just wrote, uh, where is Neil?' on a note." And Neil's like, "Oh, thank God, she knows who I am." And they said it was such relief, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And so then um, from there, I battled quite a bit. And they had to do two surgeries on my, my arm to rebuild it. And finally, they determined that they were going to put a plate and four screws in it. And, um, and then I was in the USA for a month and then uh, released from well, I was well, I wasn't released right away. So in that, I had quite a quite a battle with my uh so apparently when you get a brain injury everything resets itself including like sodium potassium and that was imbalanced on me to the point I was in a in a coma watch and they cleared up my entire room and at, at that time my um so I have to kind of explain this off so my my the same bob that I've talked about there's so um influential in my life so um this uncle bob of mine was killed in a, a car accident where a, a kid had fallen asleep and they he had hit them across the, the highway two and, and killed my uncle Bob and my aunt Faye had strongest woman I know on the planet and she loved Bob and mm-hmm. she she fought back through these horrible, horrible injuries and we didn't think that she would make it from her injuries. Mm-hmm. And she fought back knowing that Bob was dead and I thought I don't know if I would have gone on and, and, but she did, you know, I remember this before the accident and she just pulled herself through and she was just so strong. So I was just like, okay, well, um, I was on this coma watch and I remember my mom like sending messages back to my aunt Faye. Well, she, she tells me that she kept doing that. So then this aunt Faye woke up in the middle of the night, like at five o'clock in the morning. And she said, I need to get Debbie, her daughter, to drive. I got to stop sending messages through Christy, and I got to get to see Don Marie. And so she waited, and she so the, so my aunt is an early riser, and so she waited for Debbie to to get up. She phoned her, and she said, "You need to get me to Don Marie." And Debbie knew she had got she's got to get her there, so she got her up to the U of A. And at about five o'clock in the morning, I was on a coma watch, and they were taking my blood and just trying to like basically waiting for me to go into a coma. And I actually had gone into my neurologist record books because he had said that he's never seen a patient. They were, they, he brought in a bunch of doctors from all over the world to talk to me. And I actually remember this in the brain fog that I had them coming in and them asking me questions like, are you married? 
do you have son? Do you, are, do you have any children? And I remember answering yes. And I remember saying how many. And and um, I remember saying birthdays and then looking at each other and just like, what kind of look on their face? And so apparently I was the only person that they had ever seen at that point that had ever had that severe sodium potassium imbalance and not in a coma. And then a mm-hmm. coherent enough to actually answer correct questions correctly. So then uh, in, the, in the middle of the night, they're taking my blood and everything. And my... Um, um, all of a sudden, like things weren't good for me. And I remember this, like this, I had this hunky, hunky, hunky nurse with this, these tattoos. And he was like, this <laughs> built like you wouldn't believe. So my favorite nurse is, is, is on shift. And, um, this girl comes to take this lab aide comes to take my blood and she, my, my veins is clopped. She can't take the blood. And then I just start saying they are father out loud. And, and, when I'm and like you know how I'm really energetic and, and you got like got a picture like like this like I'm literally just about in coma so it's like coming out of the very, really slow whisper and I'm trying to say so then I just start like chanting the Our Father and and I don't and I, and I remember I don't know why after this but I remember asking God like I don't know how to get better God like and I don't know why I, I said you need to send me somebody I don't know how to get better and I remember thinking like. Like back, I, I not not to make anybody feel bad because I had so much good family and friends, and no one ever left my side, and the kids and and people all around the community sending flowers and care packages and and coming at noon and never leaving my side and and you know people coming in and you know crying over and praying over me and 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 all my good sisters and their husbands and and everything and I was like, but I still felt like I didn't know how to get better. And so I was like, God, you have to send me somebody. I don't know how to get better. And and sure, that's five, like, so I know from the blood taking that, like, God just said, you know, you got to get up there and pay. And she came in and my chair was, my bed was up. They were waiting for me to crash. And so then the unit would just hit you um, if you go into a coma. And the room was really dark. And I remember Auntie Faye coming through the doors. And I remember thinking, Auntie Faye, you're here. And I wanted to, like, Inside my head, I was actually yelling it, and I remember just literally being like in this brain fog, literally just kind of being able to wave at her. Mm-hmm. And she didn't say anything miraculous. She didn't say anything at all, and she just was there. And I re- remember thinking back, like, "That she did it. You can do it." And she, I just remembered, like, she she told me I can do anything I've wanted all my entire life, mm-hmm. and so I just like. I'm going to do this. And so then I got off a coma lot. Sorry, I get emotional about it. Isn't it ridiculous? Oh, no. I'm in tears so, right now, in too. <laughs> so I got, off, I got off a coma watch with her strength just saying you can do it. Mm-hmm. And she, she, I remember saying to her one day, and she I think I'm getting better. And she said, yes, you are. And just her determination and tone that matter of fact yes you are I'm like Mm -hmm. I'm doing it and I just got from there I just got better and better and I got released a month after I was in there in total so I don't remember how long after I got there that I was released I went to Barhead and then I had such an amazing team there I had this he's one of the best physiotherapists in our country now and he's well sought after by all all the top um, 
athletes in our area, and he was a student when I got to Barhead. And he saw me, and he's like, Domi, you're too young to be like this. And I was already, like, getting, like, my ribs the way I was healing and everything. I had a little bit of physiotherapy at the U of A. I can't discount that. But I was starting to, like, feel, like, turned in. And, and he's like, we can't have this. And so he just got after me, and he's like, this is not going to be on my watch. I remember him like giving me when I got released from Barha, giving me reps to do, like giving me exercises to do. And and I remember him phoning me at home. I'm like, well, this is weird. Why is this Murray phoning me here? This is kind of weird. <laughs> and so he, I answer the phone, and he's like, Dumbray. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, you remember that exercise I gave you with the bands and everything? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, okay, you only can do, I think it was whatever, 20 reps at a time and then I want you to rest and then repeat that and that's three times a day and I'm like okay and he says he can just remember he was so excited to see somebody that wanted to get better mm-hmm. and he's like and then he said all I could think about is you going up there and just like wrecking your arm <laughs> trying to do this band exercise non-stop you know so so I had like God just planted all these amazing people around me to, mm-hmm. to heal and I just had so much uh care and uh, energy and love from our entire community that just made sure that like that girl's not going down without a fight and we're all here to to make sure that she that she has the love and 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 what she needs to get better and and I did well Don Marie I think you are the definition of cowgirl tough because that, <laughs> well, I that is a, I don't know I know a lot of tough girls and I don't know that's but. that is tough for you to rip the IV out of your own arm and like yeah the paramedic have to rip your hands off of him uh and then healing from something like that let alone roping with an arm that broke like that and I like I broke one rib this summer I could not imagine breaking that many ribs mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah thank you so much for sharing that story with us I know we all got yeah, a little well, emotional thanks. you know what too. I just I, I I I think that the toughest job was the ones that were around me that it is was very easier true. for me to yeah. ba- battle and be the one fighting than it was to be so helpless watching somebody yeah mm-hmm. hurt like right. that and I know that yeah. from other people that have been around me that are hurt like she's you know, it was honestly probably easier for me to fight the battle than it was to watch helplessly. Like I think about, yeah. and I remember, like I said, I said it before, about I remember coming out of the hospital and out of the brain fog and then realizing what my family had gone through and Neil and the boys and the trauma that they had. I remember just crying, 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 crying for them mm-hmm. and what they went through when I, when it was finally my turn to realize that. And that, that, I think they had, I think they had showed the most courage and the toughness. It is very hard to watch someone that you love go through pain. I know when even Cole lost the tips of his fingers and he changed his bandages for the first time, I bawled like (laughs) serious. Like he didn't cry like once he was like laughing and I was like bawling just because it, it, it hurts you to know that you can't do anything to help them. I think that's like the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so how long, like, from that injury did it take you to get back in the saddle? And is that maybe still something that you struggle with, like, mentally? Well, you know what? Um, I have a little bit of anxiety, and I, and, I, and I had to coach myself, but I had a, a lot of good support. So when I say I, I mean, I was, have a very good uh, family around me to make, to, to, to help me, but 
Um, so I do do suffer from from anxiety, but it's you know it, like I said, it's so rewarding to to be able to to conquer that fear. But you know, like I also was raised with a mom that would go <gasps> every time, like my you mom know, does uh, that something too. happened. <laughs> so you know, like I think I already always had that. You yeah, know, yeah. so. So as far as just getting back in the saddle again, I, I don't remember truly, um, you know, forcing myself to that. I just, it was, it's who we are. It's, we, we ranch, we rope, we, and I remember just wanting to get quote unquote normal back again and wanting to just go out and feed my horses, wanting to just go out and ride and, and, and just have that, that drive to do that. And the next thing I know I was, and the other thing too is that you have to remember that that not haunting message, but that strong message of just don't worry, stop putting off who you are and what you what you can do. And mm-hmm. and I still think I'm going to to see the true reward of not putting that off. Like I yeah. I and and I'm enjoying it every day, not only for myself but the the other people that I get to do that with. Like you know, like when I get to rope with the boys and and we enter a roping or when I get to rope with Neil and even if it's just in the practice time, we're not roping for an Alberta or Canadian championship. It's just, and, and then the people that know that I, that I've gone through that, like, um, just their, just the, like all of that, uh, that fun that, that went into that and that whole big community thing that, that, you know, we've, I've, I've, you know, it's not, a, not been a struggle. It's just been, you know, the process to just, keep keep me a priority and that's mm-hmm. in everything not just mm-hmm. to rope but to also self-care and and look after my body and all those good things that I actually learned from from the accident like mm-hmm. like you know got closer to God and yeah. you know really thought like you know what I, I've heard you know people say you know wouldn't you you know you know you want to have your funeral and see all the people at the funeral and the celebration there. Well, I feel like I did get that in a really kind of twisted way of saying that. Mm -hmm. Like, I got to see the community in full bloom. And I was, like, I was in Diga and back before social media and just the landlines and everything else. So I was pretty lonely up there. And not that I didn't have a good husband and and people around me, but there was nobody like me. And I, you know, I came up from Cochrane to this community and, I didn't, I, you know, I was always kind of a unique person and probably didn't make things easier on myself. So, so like truly when after that accident, I got to see like pure love out of some amazing people mm-hmm. and just how much, and those bonds that are still with us, like, um, you know, the care packages and the, and the love for our kids and people driving all night to get to me and like, mm-hmm. just what a gift to, to, to get, you know, like, 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 those are all the positive things that I get from it. And then um, just to make sure that like, um, that I, like I said, like the injuries that I have, I have the, okay. So I have to have good nutrition. Uh, I have to make sure that I do yoga and stretch to keep my back in. I have to make sure that I'm stretched out. So before I rope and like, um, you know, it's all things that are truly a good thing to, to have to do. And I learned all that from my accident. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. So you kind of like that would, would maybe kind of answer this question, but I know some people that like say they have like almost like a near death experience or like a serious injury like that. It almost kind of changes their outlook or perspective on, 
on life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know you already kind of told us just how it made you realize some of the positive things that that life had to offer. But is there Mm -hmm. any other perspectives or anything that it changed for you going forward in your life? You know, just get in the game. Like to me, I, I like, honestly, I, I just, you just want to live, you know, you realize that you don't Mm -hmm. have, that you, that this isn't home. Like we're all, we're all going to go home, but this isn't home. So while you're here, just make it the best you can. And, and, you know, God mandates peace be with you and live in love and, and participate in life. And here's all the, all the rules to, to do by just go out in your community and fellowship and be good to each other. And, and, and roping is that instant community, community mm-hmm. for me. I, I don't feel like I fit in anywhere as well as I do in the roping pen. And so it's also um, something that uh, like nothing really truly came naturally to me, but I, I, you know, I do obviously have a hand in roping and not necessarily because I'm a natural at it, but just because obviously I have the dedication to it. Yeah. So, and, and so then it's just, just to participate in life. So, um, and also I, you know, I, I was, I was a bystander for way too long sitting there literally at the, at, like living vicariously through my boys, living vicariously through Neil and every run they made, I was supposed to love and encourage that, but I had so much like envy to that. Like I want to be in that arena. I want to be doing that. Like I want to be, you know, do like participating. And so that was my thing to do. Maybe it, you know, skydiving for somebody else, but that was my thing to do. And I feel like I just was, I'm so rewarded for not putting it off, like how much I've accomplished in this, you know, rebuild to my roping career. And mm-hmm. that, you know, in my, you know, not that I'm old, but in my, you know, definitely not in my prime. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So would you maybe say that um, mentally, visualizing that light at the end of the tunnel during your um recovery was roping um you know what I don't know if I thought of it that way I think that it was just uh literally just trying to get back at um get back at life which my life meant roping and being with my my family yeah and so um I, I I think that it was it, it was it was it, of course it was ambition it, it was an ambition of mine and I definitely wanted to do it but uh, you know I didn't you know I you know it was so much brain fog that it was just literally I I want to cook some, a meal for my family again I want to care for my family again I want to read the books to the boys again and and just be like just have that appreciation for what I have. And it's not been euphoric every day. Like, you know, we've, we've had our struggles and I, you know, I've yelled at the kids, you know, not been a perfect wife and not been a perfect parent, not been a perfect aunt, but, you know, just, just try to live a good life and and get my party straight. Like I, at the biggest thing is that now I think the biggest thing for me is that I have this, um, certain level of and certain barrier that I'm not going to ever let myself get put pushed back so much again and not to blame anybody for this but you know more a lot to be with me I just wasn't a priority and now we just didn't have 
you know, we just made different choices so that I wasn't the one roping as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if we had a third kid, we would have found entry fee money for that third kid. But, uh, you know, entry fee money at a roping when it's $200 a person and it's just a weekend jackpot, like, you know, times that by four, that's a lot of money when you're trying to also, you know, put right. food on the table and mm-hmm. pay the vet bills and everything else. So then a lot of the time I just didn't go because there wasn't a lot of money. But I know that if I would have had a daughter that wanted to rope or another son that wanted to rope, we would have found the money. Yeah. And so then we just didn't make the choices. And now I definitely know this is who I am and this is the standards that I'm living by. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I'm going to participate in life. That is a, I, I like the way you put that, mm-hmm. Don Marie. That's awesome. So um, I just recently actually got added to the page this week, but um, you're such a great advocate for the whole sport of rodeo, but especially roping and um, this Facebook page. Could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, so it's called Lady Roper Network, and it first started in 2018 as the Mature Lady Roper Network. Because so uh, when I said that we had off-ranch income, my husband at that time was working away long shifts for McMurray Oil Co. Construction and gone. And I would, he'd come home off the shifts and way we'd go roping. But a lot of the time I was by myself and I was also really reinventing myself as a roper. And I'd gone to clinics. I had a good rope horse. I wanted to go. The boys were away at college and I literally was here by myself. And all of a sudden I had nobody to open the chute, nobody to come rope with. And I could find arenas around me to rope. Like, don't get me wrong, but it was always like, I was like, there's got to be somebody else out there like me. Like, I can't be the only lady roper in the world that wants to rope like this, that's in Alberta, that her husband works away in the oil oil field, that is that want like that is involved in horses, and the late the barrel racers have a page. Like, why the heck don't we have a group as ropers? So I'm like, yeah. so I kind of put it out there on my personal page. Is there anybody that would want to kind of you know get together? And then I had like girls are just like yeah like okay so then I said to my one sister I'm like so I don't know what like what should I do here I guess I could start a page and we could just chat or whatever and she's like yeah sure do it like whatever and so then I and then not that I don't like kids but I also was I was craving fellowship to at a mature conversation level so Mm -hmm. nothing against the kids because some of my some, I, you know, I like my nieces and all my little lady roper friends. I, I love, but when I was first starting it, I was just like, I just want to talk to some other lady roper that and have a mature conversation about roping. I'm not the only one out there that wants to talk roping all day. So I started Mature Lady Roper Network, and there was like 25 of us. And I would put on like, you know, what might be coming up. And back, like, like back then it was only 2018, but literally there's like six lady ropings and they kind of became my thing because there's something I could go to without the boys or without Neil. And I could go with my girlfriends or just go by myself or whatever and get to, and it'd be easy rope, you know, come home and still get my fix and roping and breakaway roping and team roping. And so then I would just keep adding like little tips and all my favorite things about roping and anything lady roper driven and then 
And then I got a lot of like moms of ropers that wanted to be on it, but they knew it was mature and they knew that Delmarie put like no kids allowed sort of thing on it. And so then we changed it to Lady Roper Network. And I'm, I'm so glad for that because then, you know, like they're like, like ropers are a little bit different. Like I'll put something on and they will, and everyone will, I'll see them at a rope and they're like, Oh, I love that arc or whatever. But no, like I like literally will have six likes. It's not like barrel racing land where you'll have, 50 likes and loves and 50 <laughs> comments like like yeah, ropers even lady ropers don't don't act like that right so they're a little bit more conservative and they yeah. might view it and take it take it to like you know like take it in but they literally will not social media like it they just will not hit that button so i'm just like okay well i guess i'm getting out there but like sometimes i like knock on the like like on the mic and like hello is anybody there like it's what it feels like sometimes <laughs> But we, we've grown to over a thousand and it's the Lady Roper Network yeah. and, you know, I started it, but there's a few other admins and we do a Tuesday tips where a, a Lady Roper in the community that um, we've, you know, asked to, to give a tip to roping, whether it be team roping or breakaway roping or to, you know, whether it's about health or balancing family or, or actual roping tips. So we have that featured, and then we have a Woman Roper Wednesday where we feature a lady roper and some from Australia, the United States, and, and all over Canada. And, and we try to have, like, little pockets of, in Australia, like, you know, and, I try, and, I, and I'm a big fan of roping. So, like, you know, I watch the ropings and the associations mm-hmm. in Australia and in the States and in Canada. And so... Um, I used to joke and, and now I'm so glad it's grown this, this much, but I used to joke to the kids like, and actually this is a true story. You go like that. I went down to a roping and there was this new lady roper and Art Glay, the, the, um, founder and president of the team rope in Canada. He's like, don't worry. Who's that? Who's that girl? And, and I would know who these girls were. And I said to the boys, like, I literally know every lady roper in Alberta. And they're like, no, you don't mom. And I'm like, no, no, I do. And, <laughs> and but now it's growing. And so there's a lot of new faces and it's good, but I just had a pulse on all of them because there was, you know, pocket of them and, and they were all, you know, the people that I like to fellowship with and connect with. So, you know, I felt like I, I know them all in their faces and, there and watch their achievements and mm-hmm. so we we follow a lot a lot of levels of of ropers on there and we have from professionals to the beginners so I was, it's, a, it's a great network I feel and we, we should open it up one day like but it's not it's a little bit it's just a private group right now yeah. but I'm sure it'll go to be an open group I was going to say, uh, one thing I really love about your page is how you not only highlight the pros or people that have been doing it for a while, but you're also, you also do give recognition to those who are just starting, mm-hmm. which really like, I like when I explained the page to the girls, I was like, you should see, like she highlights people that are just starting. Like she's always sharing stuff. And so that's like very encouraging, I think for people when mm-hmm. they first start. Well, yeah. thanks for saying. And Con- I, huge I think like, builder. yeah, even if you're not maybe getting the likes or whatever on the picture, like, Oh man, everyone has got to be just so thankful for everything you're doing because like even us, you know, there's three of us and just to put the stuff out there on the page, like it takes time and it mm-hmm. takes yeah. thought and like you're, yeah, like you're truly pouring your heart and soul into the page too. And I'm sure people 
like super appreciate it because we're not ropers yeah. and we even appreciate looking yes. at looking the hi- at how it. you highlight people that is so cool i was just yeah. scrolling mm-hmm. through there now yeah and uh yeah no, I love that. and i think there's oh. gonna be a lot more ropers after they listen to this podcast yeah because i'm oh, like i'm so. ready to get out there and <laughs> i'm making so. plans You're... in my head already okay so we actually were thinking that like when this covid kind of like blows over and whatnot maybe we could come down for like a lesson or, or a, couple, a couple days yeah, yeah that'd be really cool yeah. Yeah, we have some day pens here. We'll put your horses up and you guys up. And the boys have moved out, so I got some spare bedrooms. Perfect. Too, but there's plug-ins <laughs> for the art, for the living quarters. And yeah, we we and uh, Caitlin bought up some nice jerseys, and they'll they'll be nice and slow for that. But we actually that's where Neil is is getting more breakaway cattle now. We we have to keep the stock numbers up here to make sure that we we do have some roping. So yeah. You're invited anytime. I, I love I love the sound of that. Perfect. Yeah, we're like <laughs> I like I am all about wanting to learn how to break wire open. Yeah. I, all of us girls are. So uh, we would love. I actually to come had and learn. the yeah do that. I actually had the funnest uh, group of girls come for a private deal, and um, I was actually at Castor and uh, Slack that morning, and I made Grady come back with me. He's such a good kid. He's always been a good coach for me, and I said, well, I'm getting this group. They're coming or whatever, and then after this, they were going to go to a, a little, uh, well, bush rodeo. I shouldn't really um, discount it, but over just about 30 miles from here. So their stop is going to be here and then go on for their little weekend. And uh, so I I get here late from Castor because the clock just went a lot longer than I thought, and then Castor was a little bit of a drive to Barhead get here and they're all in my yard and then I felt bad because I'm not even here and I still had a few things to do but mostly was set up for them and anyway I had this it ended up being a surprise um birthday gift to this one girl she had barrel raced but and had swung a rope before but literally never never roped they had actually entered her in this bush rodeo as well so she's gonna rope both Saturday and Sunday she doesn't even know any of this her friends have done this set this all up and so then the pressure's on Grady and I because we have to get this girl ready for a rodeo in like four <laughs> okay. hours. So we, she actually had a had a hoot, and her horse wasn't was you know cracked up the best she could, and she she did good, and she but she was very enthusiastic and just did and, and a good student, so that helped her too. So it was fun. No, that that sounds like a really really fun time. So we're going to move into our rapid fire section. So in this section, you can just like do like a quick short answer or elaborate as much as you want. Um, But so what is your favorite brand of ropes, roping saddles and pads? Okay. So ropes, uh, King ropes. I I like the 45 thread count. It's a treated four strand poly and 9.5, 10.0. And like they, they have the, greatest ropes they have the coolest saddle western store rope shop and saddle shop in the world and they have the coolest cats like who doesn't want to rope with a king and then <laughs> um second to that for breakaway rope would be a dub grant rope and i have to thank taylor flowing for getting me onto those and they're um a little bit easier to find like the the king ropes are at at cowboy country but uh in alberta here typically you have to order them in the dub grants are at a few other western stores and uh, 9.54 strand in that treated poly. And those are just like the deluxe ropes. 
says tip is where it's, it should be. They're true. They last forever, especially when you treat them the way I do. And I just I can't get enough of those ropes. Hmm. And then as far as when I head uh, a classic rope, um, extra soft all the time for me. I did go to a soft, but then with my like just my older hands and um, just the wear and tear and the condition of my body, the extra soft is where I have to be. And um, or else then the Rattler Triton uh, four strand uh, and extra soft in that. And and I can't get away from like the classic end of things. Just the quality is is there and and love them to death. Mm-hmm. And as far as pads, I think you asked pads and saddles. Yeah. So pads, we like um, something that we can ranch in as well as uh, go to the arena in. So uh, we we found the Wade pads and, and love them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, five star pad, uh, we like the thickness and just they they tend to wear well on a horse if you go and and that when I when I say ranch off of them, like not that we're like so hardcore because I know there's uh, uh, bigger outfits than, than we are, but we'll often like saddle one in the morning. They'll stay saddled till till the night, but they're mm-hmm. you know they're getting brakes hay in front of them, water in front of them, but we'll go check cattle and then open the in the, the arena in the afternoon sort of thing so we they are tend to be saddled a long time so we don't want anything that's not a natural fiber on them mm-hmm. uh, but i did win a pad out of the trc finals that the lone star rope company sponsored and i love that pad but i tried to find if i could get it again and i don't i think they discontinued it but um bits i am i love the walt woodard bit collection he has like 14 bits are made by metalab now and they, they're like everything that we typically had in our, in our uh, barn. But then he has a couple of his, in his collection that we tend to keep going back to. And his bits are just balanced. They just make sense. And the way that he's marketed it as well is that you can scan on the bit uh, and, and then a little, uh, like a little cue there. And then it actually comes up with him. Um, if you have the app, you can actually hear his explanation about the bit so you actually That's don't have cool. to know a heck of a lot about um like he'll just explain like why this is more for a six or seven year old you know he goes in like about what type of horse would have that type of chin strap that would be on it and it just and, and these are all bits that we tend to to go through and 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 love those and then saddle uh, I love the Lazy Bee series, the breakaway saddle that Lakota Bird designed with her down at Cowboy Country. She put together a really nice saddle. Now, Caitlin has it, and I it's on my wish list, and I'm going to trade a saddle away here and, and get it. But we have some Frontier saddles that we've won, or Neil's won, and, and love to ride those as well. But uh, Lakota Bird has a great um series in their lazy bee that's a breakaway style and it feels good you could team rope out of it too so it could be um both ways but it's a great feeling saddle and love that so for saddles um for people that are just getting into it is if you just have a barrel saddle is that okay to use or yeah for breakaway absolutely like i i know some girls that that that, that they just sit them like the biggest thing is you don't want to be fighting your saddle. So mm-hmm. I find that if I could fault um, a lot of ropers, well, not a lot, but I've seen some ropers fighting, having a too big of a seat. 
So, you know, I, you know, breakaways are rapid fire. You can't be fighting your saddle. So when I say that, you can't have a lot of room there that you have to get to the front of your saddle. You have to stay to the front of your saddle. So a breakaway, uh, sorry, a barrel saddle will often be exactly a lot of what you need because it will uh, fit you right. You know, you've got maybe the half inch or quarter inch um, uh, from the front of the channel and then the back of the channel with your leg in it. If you know what I'm saying, like you don't have mm-hmm. much room there mm-hmm. to play. So you're not playing your saddle, you just basically stand up in your stirrups, you're at the front of your saddle in a barrel saddle. And then because it break, breaks away from the horn, you absolutely can use. Uh, the only thing that I've done is my nieces have, have roped out of a barrel saddle and I'll just wrap a little bit of rubber around that okay. so that, yeah. that horn is a little bit thicker for everything just to stay on yeah. a little bit more, just, just to basically tie the rope on with a little bit more accuracy and, and not to come off of it as easy. Okay. Cool. So we see almost every roper with a tie-down. How important is a tie-down for roping? Well, well for us, it's, it's, it's quite important. But, um, you know, it's, it's so much balance uh, and, and for the horse. And in our experience, it's it it, it it for us. It, it's just the way that we like to to have a horse um, be able to push against it and have it for balance in their stops, and then they can get underneath themselves. Mm-hmm. But to, and and engage their hind end a little bit easier because they can push on that and they can keep themselves together. Now, um, in that though, sometimes there depends on the stage of that horse. It can be a leather rope nose band. Um, sorry, a leather nose band, just a, a wider band, uh, or else it'll be a leather covered rope nose band, or it could be a nylon covered nose band, or it could just be a rope nose band. Then it can be the ones that with knots in it. Now, those are for the, the jerks that need to be backed off of, and that's not a forever thing. Yeah. Um, so to tell you the truth are, um, sometimes, and then, and then the length of the tie, tie down, like how much we tie down. We, we will alter from a leather, thick leather nose band to the leather covered rope nose band and, and play with a horse and all of that as, you know, as much as we will with trading bits out because, um, sometimes it can just be an adjustment of that. And then they, you know, are keep themselves collected, keep themselves underneath themselves and then can balance when they have to maybe take a steer across the arena or get underneath themselves stop on the breakaway. So um, now we're seeing a trend of, you know, these amazing professionals in the top high end, like Corey Petska, you know, showing up with just, you know, his horses without a tie down on. And you'll see that more and more. And like Clinton has bounced his good horses out of the tie down and then back into it when they're working optimally and everything's feeling good. They, 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 they tend to not have to have it if they're really efficient and really in tune, but Mm -hmm we really like to have that and it is very normal for our horses to have the tie down and if nothing we're sucking them down more (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. what kind of boots do you like to use for roping uh i i like the iconoclast i i typically i put all four on Neil usually only put the fronts on, and honestly, because his knees are bad, he doesn't want to have to put four boots on. But I, <laughs> when I break a rope, they definitely have all the boots on. Yeah. Okay. 
So share a couple tips on how not to lose your fingers. I know we did talk a little bit about that, but do you have any other, uh, okay, other than so like thumb a, up? <laughs> yeah, like I, I, you you touched on that and whoever gave you that tip, the coils have to be uh, all the same size. I'm, I'm yeah. fanatical about that. Anybody that 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 your that has rope will will pass that same message on mm-hmm. um and then uh that's even just before you start and then i i do the dally drills like i honestly like i'm i've gone to to team roping clinics with some really great ropers and they have never done a dally drill and then i went to a walt woodard clinic and i sought him all out three times to go go to his, uh three of his three-day clinics and he has a dally drill for the different for the healer and for the header, and I brought that back to my nieces and and to me. Like I like, if anybody wants to say anything about my fault as a team roper, it's my dally. And I was and and I uh, wasn't, you know, my I, I was on good horses that were efficient, so it was a lot to do with me. So um, maybe it wasn't cueing my horse correctly, but a lot of it was maybe the 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 steps that I was taking to put my dally on. So in that dally drill for a header like this is before you even get to live paddle like the header has a partner and they're on a horse and you're on a horse and you have ever all your clothes perfect and then they trot off uh ahead of you and then you you keep that separation pull your slack and then you put your dally on and it's one and you do that in a controlled one step at a time and you you don't and and you just get practice to that and then you and then i made my nieces as they were learning to do it all of the time to that part of their warm-up like you're coming to rope you you uh, as much as you're it's part of warming up your horse you warm up yourself you, you stretch and you also do your dally drill and they've gotten away from it now but when like when they haven't been roping for a while i'll make them do their dally drill again and it's good for me too and then the healer you know person can be on foot and you pat you know you get you know mimic getting your slack in the separation and then put your dally on and you just literally um when you're beginning don't you know when you're on if you can't do it uh in those drills and on a sled you know you shouldn't be dallying on a live paddle yet yeah. so you have to have that confidence and just let yourself learn it because it is a big component to the roping i like literally cringe when i see people that aren't taking the time to take get those steps and they're just putting that dally on and taking their horses taking the hit and going off and i just like oh I just, like i yeah. just like <laughs> everything in me like to just not be like my mom <gasps> you know like yeah. so i it just it's just if you can if you can practice it just like anything else yeah it that. has to be part of of this of and just keeping it so that it's not a, I don't know what to do next. So it just is muscle memory. I pull my slack, you know, a game position. I rope the steer, get the slack, put my dally on and stay there across my hand and then get my horse out. Or for breakaway, it's, it's like so easy because it's set release, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know when that was like my biggest struggle when I first started roping live cattle is I would rope and then I dally right away. And it's like, Okay, like you don't need to panic. You're not riding <laughs> a loony horse that you uh, ride in the mall, like a mechanical one. You can step forward and tr- and track that steer a little bit before you actually, when you're ready to tie or dally off. That's true. And that and was you know a big, is, big step. That's very true. And you know what's interesting is how easy the good ropers make it look. 
Yeah. They literally look, look so like they're easy. in control and there's so much to it. Yes. Like is. they, they, you know, so I don't know to me, to me anyway, but then I, you know, it takes me a little bit longer to learn new skills, but I don't know. It, 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 it's, the, it's part of it that is real to practice and it should come easy and the steps should be there by muscle memory. Mm-hmm. And you just practice enough in a safe manner that, you know, when it comes to that, and then, and then when you do start, you start with suitable cattle so that you're on slower cattle. So things are going slower and that when, and then, and then refuse to rope the the ones that are, that are scaring you. Like if you're going too fast and if it feels like a blur and, and there isn't any suitable cattle in that practice pen you've gone to, then literally just say, you know, can I, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, what I would do is probably put the rope on in the chute myself and then ride up and then put the dally on. But if that still scared me as a beginner, I would just say, you know, thanks. You know, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, whatever, I would just try to exit it because I wouldn't be able to put myself in that position because I wouldn't be able to do it if Mm. I, at the beginning stages. Or even could you just score a couple and then be done? Yeah. Yeah, Some arenas, absolutely. But the the biggest thing is try to be around and be aware that that is important to rope suitable cattle for your yeah. at your level right like mm-hmm. like when we break in cattle here I and they're fresh in the spring like I don't even like roping the the freshies that have their tail over their back and going like it it's just it's it's over my head I'm also gift I have the gift of these really great ropers around me so I let them rope them and then they're they're like oh mom here's one for you. thank you you know like just stay with what you know and yeah and um i also i'm in a category that i don't have to i'm not at a rope open level so i don't have to rope those demons ever in my roping (laughs) career i will always be in the slower cat slower moving cattle um you know category so heck i you know i'll get a stronger one in that pen but nothing that's gonna like flat out out make me try to open rope it right Mm -hmm. So I don't think a beginner starting out should should put themselves in that position either. It would be very difficult. Yeah, that is for sure. Thank you for sharing those tips with us. So Dawn, Marie, where can uh, our listeners either find you on Facebook, Instagram, and your Lady Roper page on Facebook? Yeah, so I have, I'm on, it, it's Lady Roper Network, and you have to answer a couple questions to get um, LinkedIn, but you um that, that's a good place, but uh, Domery with a hyphen Don D A W N dash M A R I E and Brandon on Facebook, and then Roping Don on Instagram, and we also have a Triangle B Ranch uh, Facebook page, and we put on and anything that we put on here that's open to the public is there. So if there's any breakaways or anything else, you'll see it there. Perfect. And uh, we also like to end off our podcast on a little bit of a lighthearted or funny note. Do you have any uh, good stories from the roping road that you would care to share? Something funny or embarrassing or just... I do have a funny one. So yeah. Yay. <laughs> I, so my, um, my maid of honor, and uh, I was her maid of honor, Shauna Bird. And we roped years and years ago, back before we were we were married. We went to the all-girl rodeos together. She was healing. I was heading. And I was on a horse that I had no business to be headed off of. And <laughs> it was a barrel horse. And they said that it had roped off of. And again, ignorance is bliss. And thank goodness we don't have to learn how to rope like we used to back then. And, 
and get on critters like that. But I was having box troubles with them. And there's at these all grow rodeos, it's just like today they're all grow rodeos. There's very few men there, but Jim Smith's there. I'm having troubles and he's trying to coach me around this horse and he's as patient as ever, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And my horse goes spinning around and, and he's outside of the box now. I have to get back in the box to try to, to even nod my head. And, and he's like, okay, Dumber, back him in the box, back him in the box, back him in the box. And then I'm backing him up, backing him up. And then he's like, okay, back him in the box. Okay, wrong box. <laughs> horse gave me such troubles i'm backing him up i'm totally out of control i probably didn't even have any business to be heading but of course again ignorance is bliss and sean and i just have the enthusiasm to do it and Aww. she's oriented up and this horse ends up in the healing box for shauna but i did get him in the head and box and i did go and i but he didn't catch but Aww. that is uh the early early stages and 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 you know, you go, you have to start somewhere. So I love that uh, story. It's I was just going to say story. that. That's a perfect one for anyone yeah. <laughs> wanting to start out. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Don Marie, for coming on our podcast and taking time out of your evening to speak with us, especially during such a busy time of the year. Um, and we really, really enjoyed talking to you today. Mm-hmm. So much. Hey, you thanks had- for having me, girl. <laughs> yes. You betcha. You had some great life advice, yeah. and I know I was even in tears through your story, and I I do think that you are a motivation to anybody, not even just in the horse world, mm-hmm. just anybody yeah. out there. And your stories, like, we could all visualize it as if we were right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying. I probably rattled on a little bit too long no, for you all. No, it was but, good. Uh, no, it was perfect. Well, we'll let you take us out of this podcast then. All right, girls, get rich or ride trying. <laughs> All right, Rider Dies, we hope you enjoyed that podcast just as much as we did. Yes, and be sure to tell a friend and share a page because the more follows and subscriptions we get, the more we're able to bring you this high caliber content. And as always, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horsepore Podcast. Also, if you have any ideas for collaborations, you can email us at horsepoorpod at outlook.com. Mm-hmm.